Welcome to the Future of Growth podcast with Agrify. Here, we'll be exploring all things related to cannabis, ag tech, controlled environment agriculture, vertical farming, cultivation science, industry trends, and more. Informed by science and driven by data, episodes will enlighten our audience through open dialogue with thought leaders, innovators, and industry disruptors who are forging the future of growth. Join our host, David Kessler, Chief Science Officer at Agrify, as he dives into the many facets that cannabis and agriculture have to offer. Stay connected with Agrify by joining us on all platforms at Agrify Corp. and by visiting our website, www.agrify.com. Sit tight for another episode of The Future of Growth, coming at you now. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining me. I'm David Kessler, the Chief Science Officer at Agrify, and you're listening to The Future of Growth. I'm really excited today to be joined by two incredible people. They are the co-inventors of CryoCure technology. Joining me today is Greg Bachman, uh, one of the co-inventors, uh, the president of CryoCure and in charge of all sales. Greg, thank you so much for making time today. Thanks, David. We're also joined by your colleague, Tracy McAfee, the other co-inventor and the CEO of CryoCure. Tracy, thank you also for making time to chat with our audience. Oh, thanks for having us. It's great to be here. It's really a phenomenal opportunity and truly my pleasure to tell people a little bit more about CryoCure. Can, can one of you maybe step in and talk a little bit about your background and how you developed uh, the CryoCure technology? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I've been cultivating myself personally uh, and for patients for 20 years now. So I have plenty of experience in the cultivation end of the business and knowing how and to perform a perfect traditional dry cure. In the numbers that I've done in the past, I've never really had a problem with doing traditional cure. However, you know, in growing very beautiful flower, and when you do grow beautiful flower, whoever does, they walk by that flower and they say, man, I wish I could smoke that flower just how it is on the plant. And that's where the birth of CryoCure came. Because Tracy came, she approached me one day and she said, just that. How do we smoke this flower just like this? So doing some research, um, one of the very books that I learned how to grow had happened just to have a magical Easter egg in it. One of Ed Rosenthal's books, the Marijuana Grower's Handbook, um, in his drying and curing section. It's not a very big section of it, but it's the very most important section of the book. In a few lines, he said, freeze-dried cannabis was one of the best ways to preserve the cannabinoids and terpenes and was some of the best smoke he's ever had. And when you're talking about a legend like Ed Rosenthal saying something like that and nobody taking action to it, you scratch your head and say, why? Why isn't anybody doing this right now? So that led us to buying our first freeze dryer. Obviously, we were really sticker shocked when we first seen how much a freeze dryer was. Uh, they are not cheap pieces of equipment. So we took this we took the plunge and we bought the freeze dryer and we said, well, if this doesn't work, we can at least pay it off by making dog treats. <laughs> so <laughs> we initially, we started with a food setting, a food setting like most freeze dryers commonly come with. And the flower came out beautiful. There was no denying it looked exactly like it was on the plant. However, it was way too dry, very brittle, broke down almost into a powder. And a lot of the terpenes were already pulled from the flower and weren't present, which left for an undesirable smoke. Well, knowing what I know in my background in extraction as well, I didn't give up and I started playing with different parameters, times, pressures, the amount of time we're freezing in the product before drying it. And over about six month period of time in, of development, we dialed it in to where it was 
we are getting the same results or better results than our traditional care. And at that point, I was a believer. I was sold. I was this. This is perfect. If I can have this cannabis look just like it is and have the same potency and the same terpenes as what took me a week, two weeks to obtain, I was like, this is a no-brainer. So we started seeing as we as we went out to these larger cultivations, the issues that they were having and getting that consistent dry, depending upon where they were at geographically, because climates are always different. You have more humid environments and some of these multi-state operators, they take their SOPs from Denver down to a more humid state like Florida and they don't match and they get inconsistencies. Well, we started seeing that as CryoCure could be a solution for that. This is a way that you can consistently get the same quality every time without a question and cut the costs and and obtain the efficiencies of the machine. So once we tested it at a large scale level and put it out there to the people that we really look up to, like Ed Rosenthal, Danny Danko, Rick Naya, guys that have been in the industry way longer than I have. And I value their opinion when they told me, hey, you got something here, kid. This is a game changer. That's when we started pushing this as a solution. But not until then, until we had the actual backing of the people that we look up to the most, the legends, per se, the ones that we all honor, when they raise an eyebrow, then you know you have something. That's a phenomenal story, Greg. And I have to agree that we should pay deference to those that both led the way, but that are also aficionados and experienced. And so you were getting feedback, even on the earliest iteration of the product, uh, from extremely experienced, notable personalities in our industry, and it was overwhelmingly positive. Um, and that's fantastic. But I do have a question. You said that you had started with a commercial freeze dryer and you had to kind of uh, adjust and amend the settings. Now, I thought that cryo cured flour and freeze dried flour was pretty different. Can you go into the the difference between those two? It, it sounds like a freeze dryer could be used. So I'm, I'm a little perplexed. Yes, absolutely. There is, you can use a freeze dryer, but most freeze dryers don't come with the proper equipment to leave the moisture inside of the cannabis. They're meant to dry the product that's in their chamber out to a bare minimum to where there's no moisture left. And you and I both know that that is not the way to go about drying cannabis. Also, there's a lot of people, yes, I know. And there's a lot of people out there that are selling freeze dryers that are telling people that they need to reintroduce moisture to their product, which we both know defeats the purpose and that's not the way. So that is one big difference. You know, you can obtain a very close proximity to what we're doing but it's very, very difficult with machinery that's out there. We've went to multiple manufacturers before we decided to start building these machines ourselves. And we've seen there where they lacked in this and how we could make these freeze dryers better, more efficient, protect the components, make them run 24 seven, seven, you know, 365 days a year without having any interruption or hiccup. That's fascinating. And so essentially you had to develop variations on the freeze drying technology that was available because it just wasn't applicable to cannabis. I mean, you can use it and get a result that might be acceptable. We're not looking for acceptable. You're looking for something that actually was going to improve. We want, exactly. We don't want acceptable. Exceptional is where you need to be. That's right. Now, Listen, I'm a huge fan of mechanical drying technology because when we look at the facility, the cultivation area is generally what's driving revenue. It's the part of a a grow that is producing the biomass and therefore generating the the revenue return. Um, Now, in my design experience, we allocate 15 to 20 percent of the plant canopy to a traditional drying schema. 
using a cryo cure, maybe you can talk to us about some of the space savings, about the increased throughput uh, that I'd have to imagine this would afford an operator, and how that can really impact them um, both fiscally and then just in terms of uh, product on the shelf, speed to market. Absolutely. Um, we're talking serious, serious. I think it's... Uh, 20% of whatever your square footage is in your grow is what you need for drying space. So being able to eliminate that square footage, especially in areas like, let's say, New York or Boston, where square footage comes at a high premium, mm -hmm. being able, our largest machine, being able to dry 1,200 wet pounds every 12 to 14 hours and get that moved on and into packaging within 24 hours, it's it's a game changer. Now, me personally, not being in large scale cultivation, I, I couldn't give you the exact numbers because it's different. It's a different variable. You know, somebody in Florida is gonna use way more AC and dehumidification in their dry room than somebody in say Denver. So depending upon where you're at, you're going to realize tons of economies by using this, as well as being able, like you said, to push through product through and not have that two week, three week, four week, some people cure for six weeks, not having that downtime and being able to push product through, get product to their lab quicker to where they're able to process it, which I'm sure we can go into all the efficiencies that come with this machine when it comes to abstraction. Absolutely. So not only are they producing the flour and getting the throughput out quicker, it's going to lab testing more quickly, it can move into packaging more quickly, it can be in the consumer's hand more quickly. Correct. Now, I have had, it does, I have actually had the wonderful opportunity of seeing CryoCure in action, and I can tell all of the listeners that it is incredible to watch a product and a process that I'm so familiar with change so much so quickly. Uh, what I saw was beautiful flower, a compliment to Greg's skill as a cultivator, but Thank also you, <clears throat> uh, the preservation of the shape, the size, the trichome, uh, in a way that was really very different than what I've ever seen through traditional hang or, or air drying. And just to enlighten the audience here, if you have a cola or a bud the size of say a soda can, and you put it in the cryo-cure device, the machine, when it is dry only 12 to 14 hours later, it is the exact same size. That's what blew me away. Can you talk about that? Because, I mean, who among us that doesn't love cannabis wouldn't love it if the buds were three times bigger? Right, right. Well, exactly. It's all due to the vacuum that it's under. The vacuum pressure doesn't allow the cellular structure of the plant to collapse as it dries. So it keeps its volume, its shape, its size, even if you zoom down with the microscope 60 times to the trichomes, you'll notice that the trichomes don't even warp. They don't uh, pit, they don't get the dimples in it that they do with traditional drying, where hence lies our extraction, where it becomes, our extraction becomes more consistent. We get the consistent amount of size of gland heads and you see yields, larger yields in your water extraction or your solventless extraction or your hydrocarbon extraction because of that fact. And do you see a benefit? I mean, part of drying, which is a desiccation to your point where under vacuum, you're not seeing that cellular collapse. Do you see any improvement in the cannabinoid profiles or the terpene profiles because part of the traditional drying model is it's invariably going to be exposed to air and it will oxidize and that will reduce the quality. So talk to us a little bit about the quality you see, whether it's a preservation and increase or decrease when using cryocure. Well, it's an absolute increase because we're not exposing the plant to temperatures that would 
boil those terpenes away. Normally, there are monoterpenes, which are very lighter than the regular terpenes that you're that are predominant in cannabis, that boil away in a traditional drying environment. Per se, let's say if you were even at 60 degrees Fahrenheit um, drying your cannabis, you could still walk in the room and smell it drying. Well, those are the terpenes, the monoterpenes boiling off of the cannabis. So we're able to prevent that by the environment of the machine in which it's drying. So you, you get a better preserved, you have way better preserved terpene profiles that are actually different. The, 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 your favorite cannabis tastes different, cryocure. Like carrying. We preserve carrying. Yeah, it's a one. It's a very common terpene in all cannabis, but most consumers don't ever get to experience carrying, which has bone healing properties and anti-inflammatory properties, but they don't get to experience that because it boils off in the traditional cure. Well, most cryo cure, you can find the carrying in the flower. So it does offer more medicinal aspects as well. That's really interesting. So it's preserving the shape of the flower when it's fresh, it's preserving a much more true to form chemical profile of the flower. Um, you know, I think that we should address something that I noticed that's not a negative or a positive, but just something to make people aware of. With that bigger flower mass, first of all, the aesthetic right. in any type of packaging is marvelous. Until you've seen how large a cryo-cured eighth of flower is, you can't really appreciate it. But I will say the first time I was introduced to cryocure flower, there was a very stark difference in the texture of the flower. And right. I think that it wasn't bad, it was just different. So I needed to figure out how to work with it. Um, and by that, I mean, if you're breaking it up for a joint, it's a slightly different process. Maybe you can talk to the different textures and how customers I, can best uh, you know, approach using it to get the most maximum enjoyment. Yes, David, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up because that's a great point. It does have a different texture. It is going to be more fluffier. However, it's not going to be fluffy, dry, brittle. We're looking for a fluffy sponge, almost a bounce to the flower. So if you're able to break it down by hand, we've also we started a hashtag, be kind, don't grind, because it's not necessary. We, However, you can grind it. But what we found is when you grind the flower, it will grind it so fine that it tends to stick to each other or that the, the particles tend to stick to each other and you don't get an even burn in a joint roll with it grind. However, I, I, I this is, a, I guess, a really weird way to explain it, but I guess some of the traditional smokers will understand this. If you are have a joint and you have a blunt, you prep your, you prep your cannabis completely different for, for each. For a blunt, you want to break it down by hand. You want to break it into its calyxes. Because if you grind it in a blunt, it'll it'll tend to canoe. Well, that's the same way with cryocure cannabis in a joint. You need to break it down into its calyxes to where it's able to burn a little. It will burn smoother, more comparably to a traditional cure. It's just not necessary for you to grind it. When you grind it, it tends to canoe or burn grind it it's fine in one of those devices it's just where it's it can become tricky when you're rolling it into a joint right. what we found is that hand broken up and put into one of the future roller rolling machines rolling yeah the little personal rolling for future are meant for blunt rattles in them those mm -hmm. we found to be the most consistent if you're having trouble rolling it i would recommend going and buying one of the future roller hand rolling machines break it down by hand use that and you'll be happy I got to tell you, uh, I figured out how to work with it, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And as far as breaking it down calyx by calyx, because they're so much larger, it's actually pretty easy. But I also want to just mention that I think while I appreciate the uniformity of ground cannabis uh, traditionally dried, it's the wrong way to go. We're just damaging all of those trichomes and rubbing the oil on a piece of metal or plastic that's never going to get into your uh, system. Smoke, yeah, I agree. Into your system. I agree. And, 
so yeah, I agree with you there. Down is, is just a better way, right? Like, you know, just within the last 10 to 15 years, the market seemed to have shifted to the smaller, tight, rabbit turd buds that never used to be the case you know back in the early 2000s late 90s you never really had to worry about that you know it was either break it up by hand or use some scissors you know now we moved into this like almost what people would describe as a pgr type cannabis where the only possible way you have to break it down is by using a grinder you know that never was the case before but just as of the last 15 years that's become a common trend. And, you know, we're not trying to change that, but we're trying to give people, you know, another option, another way to experience their favorite cannabis. I appreciate the options and I appreciate the improvements. Greg, tell me your thoughts on this. You are a very experienced cultivator. You have a huge uh, history with a lot of the genetics. Do you believe that, I know you mentioned PGRs, which for the audience is plant growth regulators, uh, natural and synthetic hormones that change the growth of the habit of the plant, but you're also able to see very, very dense flower now uh, from cultivators that don't use PGRs. So do you think it was a change in the genetic profile that people were interested in that kind of made its way into the industry? Or do you think there's something else that's driving this shift or that shift? I found it to be a lot of the OG Kushes that became popular um, within the last 10 years and a lot of people doing it, the interbreedings of those tight, dense bud Kushes. I think that that's what breeders, you know, lean towards they started leaning towards that because it became more popular so yes like for instance like the northern lights the old northern lights five you know there's still cultivars out there that don't grow those dense buds but i just feel like a lot of the hype strains quote unquote um drove it drove the market that way and to just reminisce about the olden days if i may being uh older than i care to admit you know, we were used to some of the fluffy sativas, even the hybrids that had a nice mix that when you broke down were just sticky and oily and stunk to high heaven, including those wonderful skunk strains that, uh, you know, really started to disappear when uh, California was cracking down on odor. Uh, BC, right? Before carbon filters. Um, yeah. But you know, there is this push of a lot of these OGs, a lot of cookies-based strains, and it's leading to an area where someone that really enjoys the diversity of the cannabis profile and genetics will point out that we're losing the genetic diversity. As more people breed onto the same stuff over and over and over again, we lose some of that genetic diversity, that potential. Um, And we're going to not be able to get it back if there aren't people that preserve really phenomenal genetics, even if they're not necessarily as commercially popular today. So are there genetics that work better in a cryo cure than a traditional? Are there some genetics that don't perform well in a cryo cure situation? No, it's applicable to everything. It is. It's pretty. It's it's applicable to everything. The only difference is is some cultivars might take twelve hours and some might take fourteen. The long the longest I've ever seen any cultivar go was about sixteen hours. And I'll have to give it up to my guy who grew it. He grew it outdoor. It was a dungeon folks genetics. It was a dungeon berries. And honestly, I've never ever seen buds like this they were as hard as a golf ball like i could have hit things with a hammer and it wouldn't have dented it so it was that that, and that took 16 hours but they all are applicable in the machine um it's based off of the boiling point of water and not going into that dangerous volatile point of burning off terpenes so we're able to have the balance so we just leave the good stuff behind and take what you don't want and that's That's just the water fantastic Greg, talk to me about what is the physical difference in the flower that adjusts or affects the dry time? Density. It's all based off of density. So just the denser those flower clusters are together, the longer it's going to take to dry? Is that the moisture trying to escape? Or yeah, is that that's, it's all based effective? off of it. 
exactly. It's all based off of the surface area. The more surface area you have exposed to the pressure and to the radiant temperature is going to allow the water to escape faster. Now, when it's tighter, denser buds, the water doesn't want to escape as fast. Therefore, it requires a little more time. Right, because you don't want to crank up the temperature. That no, would only no. hurt the product, right? So That's with correct. more control, with more power, you got more responsibility, as they say. I, That's I guess right. you also it's a have fine, to use it smartly. It's a fine line of temperature and pressure. If you're at a certain temperature and that pressure dives, let's just say 0.1 millibar below what it's supposed to, you're pulling turbulence. Mm. It's, it's that fine of a line it's finer than frog's hair so you have to really have a machine that can hold those parameters if they're jumping all around then you can't have consistency and consistency is near to my heart greg as you know now this question is for tracy you're talking about that level of finite control and the cryo cure is not a simple device. This is not something that people should think, oh, I can go home and build one of these. This took a long time and it really took a lot of development to get it from a product used for food, making jerky into something applicable for cannabis. Tracy, maybe you can talk about your background with manufacturing and how you guys came to kind of decide not to work with a, a third party manufacturer, but to really do these yourself. Uh, sure. Well, it was definitely a road of blood and bruises how we got to making manu our machines ourselves. Um, I come from a manufacturing family. Uh, my father is a longtime tool and die uh, company owner, and my sister and I grew up in his tool and die shop. So we absolutely adore manufacturing, and I continued with that throughout my career as an invention hunter, I guess you could say, where I discovered unique products and uh, got licensing deals for those products and took them into manufacturing, took them to retail, television shopping, catalogs, and so on. So I always had an eye for innovation and knowing when I see something that it has great potential or not. Well, when I had this eureka moment with Greg of cryocuring flour, you know, I did a very simple Google search at the time and noticed that nobody was talking really about it and nobody was really doing it at all. So to me, that was a golden moment of opportunity that, you know what, I know there's potential to it. And if we could dial that in, we could really be the first to market with this. And that got me very excited and kicked in my all my skill set of marketing, uh, manufacturing, sourcing, uh, you know, not reinventing the wheel and maybe finding good manufacturers to make machines for us with our parameters. And we thought that would be all you'd have to do. Well, we unfortunately ran into some turkeys in a peacock suit and, you know, lost a lot of time uh, getting to market by picking the wrong manufacturer. So we left that manufacturer and, uh, it partnered with another company overseas and they actually did great for us. They made beautiful machines. They performed great to our standards, but coming from overseas, we were dealing with long lead times, incredible taxes and duties, huge freight costs because they are pretty heavy. They're about three to 4,000 pounds a piece. So a lot of logistical challenges. And by the time you added all of those factors in, Knowing what I know about domestic manufacturing, I said, you know, I bet we could probably be very cost effective making these in the United States while supporting our country and my family's company and everybody in the Ohio area. We make these machines now in Hartville, Ohio and Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio and Green, Ohio. So it's very close proximity to all the manufacturing sources we need. And that makes us so happy to bring it back stateside, all of our manufacturing. So doing it ourselves, we can control so much more. We have an incredible engineer, Larry, with us, and he helped us really dial in everything we needed to do to make the machines perform for cannabis, not just removing all moisture from whatever it is it's drying, from deeper shelves to holding its parameters technically 
to even our trademark, you know, that we have that we let our customers use royalty free, because there is a, such a huge difference between just freeze dried cannabis and cryo cured cannabis that we created this cryo cure moniker that we model kind of like Intel inside. You might not know exactly what it is when you see it on a package or a computer, but you know it's good stuff. And that's how our customers are now seeing cryo cured and use that is a mark of distinction from just plain old freeze-dried cannabis. Does that make sense? It really does. And having seen and felt and, and touched the cryo-cured cannabis, I thought Greg's description of, of sponge-like is just perfect. It's apropos. It's, it had this give to it, and it was very sticky. But when I released pressure, it kind of rebounded back to about 95 98% of the original shape. Um, that in contrast to what I saw on the Colorado market as sold as freeze-dried, uh, which really was, well, very attractive, it crushed down to nothing. I mean, as soon as I applied pressure, it just disappeared. Uh, and it, it had a completely different feel to it and taste to it, whereas the cryo-cured flower, aside from just preserving that really fresh, live terpene profile that you would normally maybe more closely associate with some of your live concentrate textures. Uh, it, it just was night and day. I, I know. And it's so hard. I wish everybody had an opportunity right now to try some. It's so it's one thing to talk about it, but don't you agree, David, once you see it, it's kind of like your aha moment in life of cannabis. Like, Oh my gosh, why hasn't it been like this all the time? <laughs> Absolutely. And I'll go a step further. Seeing it isn't enough, everybody. You need to touch it and taste it and try it. Because the truth is, looking at it, it's incredible. The aesthetics, the size, it's there. But you need to see the difference for yourself. And in this case, you know, seeing is believing. You got to you gotta see it, you got to try it, you got to touch it. So uh, big support there. Um, now, maybe it would help Tracy and Greg if we kind of describe what one of these machines look like. Uh, Tracy, you said these can be three or 4,000 pounds. So you're saying this isn't for, uh, say, a home hobbyist that loves to cultivate and, you know, has a small, say, 400-watt grow light and is their own medical provider. Who are you targeting for your ideal customers? Well, before anybody gets upset by us saying we don't offer a craft home unit, we are introducing one. We're very excited to say towards the end of the year, beginning of 2022, we have been working very diligently to offer a home use unit based on all of the incredible love and feedback and desire we've gotten from that market. So we could not ignore that. So stand by, we will be coming out with a smaller unit, but right now we're focusing on the larger licensed operations. That's fantastic. And I, I am so thrilled to learn that you have a smaller unit coming into the hands of the masses, because uh, as easy as it is to find cryo-cured cannabis in some of the more mature legal markets, not everyone has that great luxury. And so it's gonna be great to see this technology penetrate and permeate uh, all of the different markets of cannabis enthusiasts, uh, whether they're in a mature medical state or not. Um, so really huge kudos to you all on getting that done. Um, well, that's where we came from, David. That's I mean, where honestly, we came from. We're right. home growers, so we understand. We know, and we, we understand what it's like to go to a store and get the green tax. You know, we don't oh, yeah. ever want to be those people that do that. So we want to be able to offer the home users a quality machine that doesn't come with that high price tag. However, we're just, that's, that's what's been our biggest lag is trying to get our price down to where it's economical for the home users. Because like Tracy said, we have a lot of love and we've got a lot of outreach from home growers asking when. And, you know, like she said, just hang in there. We're going to have one for you guys next year. Well, I think that's wonderful news. We all wait with bated breath for that to come out. Um, now, Greg, you are a, a home cultivator. You've been cultivating a long time. Um, 
talk to me about how that love of cannabis really ended up, you know, leading you down this road. Cause you were, you were a cannabis cultivator before you were a cryo cure inventor. Is that correct? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and how did you get involved in cannabis in its earliest or your earliest form? And you know, who was formative for you in terms of uh, shaping your cultivation practices or uh, shaping your, your involvement in, in the cannabis industry? Um, okay. Oh, am I allowed to trace? No? Okay. <laughs> well, I, I like anybody, you know, you first smoke it. You smoke it and you're like, oh my God, someone lied to me. Why did they lie to me? And <laughs> you realize it's not that bad. And it became almost a medicine for me. I, I suffer mm-hmm. very badly from ADHD. Um, rather than taking methamphetamine my whole life, I'd rather smoke a flower. You know, so it did what Ritalin did for me. So it became the opposite of that. I didn't like the way the Ritalin made me feel as a, as a youth. It made mm-hmm. me uh, uh, an extrovert. It made me hide. It made me not want to go out or not be out and play with my friends or go out and do things because it's just the way it, I had a chemical reaction with Ritalin. Cannabis gave me this, the same focus factor that the Ritalin did without the but, you know, being so introverted, I should say. So, you know, just buying it and and not understanding the quality of where it's coming from, never getting consistent, every once in a while getting really good stuff and then not being able to get it anymore was very depressing. So it just got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm going to start growing this myself where I can control the quality. I know what I'm growing. I know what I'm getting. And, from there, it just became a passion because it came easy. It came natural to me. Um, and that doesn't happen for a lot of people from my understanding. So, you know, when everybody that smokes your cannabis is like, man, this is the best cannabis I've ever had, you know, it's very humbling and it gives you more of a drive to continue doing it and it becomes something you love. So I've been lucky enough to spend half of, yeah, been lucky enough to spend half of my life doing what I love. That is a phenomenal gift and one that I hope that uh, a lot of people can experience. And it goes to pursuing something that you're passionate about and then, you know, working hard to make that a reality. Um, Greg, you talk about consistency, and that's something that I look at a lot. I look at particularly how the different environment in which cannabis is cultivated contributes to different chemical or chemotypic as well as aesthetic or phenotypic expression. How are you seeing the drying process impact impact consistency? What can cultivators do uh, to minimize that variability? Um, And also, how does CryoCure remove that variability and, and, you know, really become a a valuable tool for a cultivator. Now, it's know your environment. It's know your environment. The same as when you're growing cannabis is you can dial your environment to what the, the, the plant is happy to. There's a certain environment that is perfect for traditional cure. However, when you get into taking 500 to 1,000 pounds down at a time, that becomes a lot more difficult to control, especially in these larger dry and cure rooms. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a monster. It's very difficult to tackle or get under control. So that's kind of where cryo cure comes in. It's like, you can take the guessing out of it. You know, that you've grown this cultivar under these conditions. It's kind of, when you take it down, it's going to be the same as you took it down last time, except it's not winter now it's summer and it's going to take an extra five days to dry and you have to play that guessing game of when is it when it's ready walk into the room snap you know that that's when all the sops in the world go out the window is when the environment changes 
So, and that's when it really becomes an art. And if you don't have somebody in charge of your drying and curing that understands that art, that's when you're going to have problems. That's when you're going to start failing microbials, when you're going to get a subpar product. And, you know, for some guys that's, that are new in the industry, that's just one of the curves that they have to overcome. However, if you're running into those problems or you're running out of space, or if you're looking for something to give your customers that's different, that's new, that's potentially better than what we've been doing, that's what CryoCure comes in. So CryoCure can be the intersection of that art and that science alleviate that learning curve and really deliver it, not just a higher quality product but a, a more consistent one for everyone. Exactly. It's the only it's the only thing I'm seeing in the cannabis industry that is lacking is consistency. And that's unlike any other industry. If you buy a box of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes in Ohio and I buy a box of Kellogg's Frosted Flakes in California. They are the same frosted flakes. So, and that this is unlike any other industry where you can go and you could buy a big name brand in Ohio and then go buy a big name brand in California. They're the same flower, same packaging, but they are way far apart in quality. Absolutely. Now, I'd love to do a little game or exercise for our listeners' benefit. Uh, I'll describe it to you. And if you don't want to play along, I understand. But there's a couple of different drying technologies. I'm not going to mention them by name, but I'm going to mention them by the way in which they work. And I would just love your honest assessment of why it might be good or bad and why CryoCure is better. Because I do believe, and I think you do as well. That's a good game. That's a good game. That's a good one. I'm glad you guys like it. Uh, let's play. So, (laughs) you know, we have traditional drying. We've been talking a lot about, I think we kind of skipped that. Let's talk about some of these, uh, drying technologies, we'll call it, um, utilize things like high airflow. So there's no vacuum. They're just going to kind of speed up the traditional process by higher air flow or higher temperature. What's the problem with that? Is there any use for that? And and how does cryocure compare? Well, fast airflow, from my uh, experience, it's going to dry the outside of the flower quicker than it will the inside of the flower, which will not give you an accurate read on when you go into the room and do your snap test, because it's going to be still rice and brittle dry on the outside very wet on the inside. Also, forced air will increase the speed of which bud rot spreads. So if you have something with bud rot and you put forced air on it, say goodbye to your crop. Oh, that's a painful loss. And a lesson. Yep. Is there something that cryo cure? I mean, if I take a piece of bud, a beautiful flower, I don't catch the mold and I put it in the cryo cure. Is my whole crop ruined? What nope. happens in cryocure that's different? Stops it in its tracks. As soon as it hits that sub, that negative temperature, it's going to stop the growth of the mold in its tracks. And then when it goes undergoes the vacuum, that is when it's going to completely destroy, destroy the spores of the mold. So in essence, if bud rot would spread in a forced air environment, when it's put under a vacuum in cold environment, it stops it in its tracks. Meaning that when that product comes out, whatever was rotten, you can cut away and still have usable flour. It did not spread through the rest of your flour and on into other flowers in your cure room. So That's therefore, it's, yes, it's, it's, it is. It's a, it's, it's a game changer. Um, also, like I said, it will kill the spores. So that way, if you do a proper wash of the flower 
prior to putting it into the cryocare machine. We uh, recommend light hydrogen peroxide and water in giving the flower a rinse, which will rinse off the residuals. The spores will still be left behind, but the cryocare will take care of the spores. So therefore, you've gotten rid of all visual evidence of powdery mildew, and the cryocare will kill the spores. You'll have clean mm. tests. And we have lab results. And we do have lab results and COAs to back that up. That's important because, again, it's not just the quality of the flower, but we need our growers to produce safe flour for consumption, whether it's medical or recreational. It should still have the same level of care, knowing that people are going to consume this in one way or form. Um, right. So that was a great answer. I learned a lot about the mold and stopping that. Let's talk about a different drying tech. So uh, there are some that don't use uh, low temperatures, but they do use a vacuum. So how is uh, a drying, a mechanical drying solution that's using a vacuum going to differ than something that adds the elements of temperature control like cryogen? Oh, well, like I said, anytime you use a vacuum on anything, it lowers the boiling point of whatever is under a vacuum. So depending upon how deep the vacuum is, you are going to get loss at room temperature. You're already boiling off terpenes at room temperature, but then when you put it under a vacuum, just imagine how much more you're losing. And yeah, also so that, from, what I've, from what I've heard about that technology, it still has a very, uh, it has it's a, a strong harshness to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I would say, uh, I think you're correct. In terms of the pressure, you're saying even if they raise the pressure, they're lowering the boiling point. So in essence, they're speeding up the drying process, but they're also pulling out all of the good stuff that people want. That's right. They are. They're increasing the speed at which the terpenes are boiling off by doing that. Gotcha. Now, that would lead me to believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that using a cryocure, there might be a way to manipulate temperatures and pressures to actually work as an extraction agent. Is it possible that you could use a cryocure to actually pull terpenes out and then condense them? 100%. Absolutely. We do it. Please tell us how. That sounds awesome. Oh, okay. It's basically a giant short path. It's the exact same thing as running the short path terpenes. Um, well, for the layman out there listening, um, short path is a way of boiling off and recondensing. Um, basically, you're vaporizing whatever molecule is in there into a vapor and recondensing it back down to a liquid. The machine acts the exact same way. Under a vacuum, we can raise the temperatures way past the boiling points of the terpenes, vaporize those terpenes into essentially a, a, a water vapor and recondense them back onto the coil with the rest of the water that was in the cannabis. So then when we defrost the machine and we melt that ice, we capture that ice in that water mixture, hydrosol mixture, quote unquote, and we're able to separate the terpenes from that water because the terpenes being an oil in a short chain hydrocarbon, it's lighter than the water. It will naturally float to the top. So on small scale, we're able to use a separation funnel to just get small scale, whether it's 50 to 100 milliliters, two different runs out of the smaller machine. You can use a simple uh, separation funnel to do that. Now, what we found, and we will be doing some tests this November in California um, with large-scale terpene extraction, where we're going to be extracting the terpenes out of 100-plus pounds of cannabis. So we're going to need a serious funnel, but we're not going to use a funnel. We're going to use an inline-specific gravity centrifuge to split the water in the oil, very similar to what they use in the biodiesel industry. And those terpenes are the most valuable part of that plant anywhere you go in this country you can buy distillates delta nine for nine dollars a gram terpenes per gram per milliliter anywhere between 30 to 100 dollars a milliliter Wow. So that is the most valuable part of that plant. And there are a lot of companies that spend anywhere upwards of $50,000 a month on synthetic 
terpenes to put into their distillate, into their vape cartridges, where if they would just use their own biomass and extract it themselves, they could save that $50,000 a month and then offer their clients an actual entourage effect distillate cart or vape cart. So there's so many different products that could be used to make this machine, especially on the live resin part, which if you want to talk about that, I think that's one of the best parts about the machine. Well, I definitely think we should. I love live textures because it's the closest to the aroma profile, which somehow translates to a taste profile. I know they're linked, uh, yep. but it's one of the most popular textures in the industry. And just to enlighten the listeners that may not have uh, access to it, essentially a live texture is where a plant is harvested, uh, usually within a few hours, it is deep frozen and then sent for extraction. So there's none of the traditional drying. There's none of the traditional oxidation and desiccation. And you end up with a chemical profile that's a little bit more close or closer uh, to the live plant. So tell us, I mean, obviously I can see how the cryocure is getting you through without ever having to dry the plant. but Tell us how it's contributing to these incredibly high-quality live textures. Okay, so before, you're right. Exactly. The whole point of live resin is to chop that plant down at the peak and get it frozen into a frozen atmosphere within an hour of chopping it down before it starts to boil off any of those plant-like live properties. So, but previously, you would actually run hydrocarbons, which is butane, LP uh, gas, over frozen material in order to keep the water from interfering with the solvent, you would have to run chillers or use jacketed columns with dry ice to keep that water from interfering to get that live resin product. By using a cryocure, we're able to remove 95% of the water and leave you with less than 5% moisture content, leave all the terpenes still intact, leave everything in its acid state, which is its rawest form, and extract that product without the use of $100,000 chillers, pesky dry ice columns, and it saves on the back end where you don't have to winterize your product because the cryocure process removed a lot of the fats and lipids during the drying process. This is going to increase your yields. It's going to give you a live resin product that's superior, in my opinion, to traditional live resin. Traditional live resin, you'll still get your oranges and your hues in there. This Every product that I've ever extracted that's been cryocured has come out bright gold. Great live resin quality, almost identical to the profile of the plant. And just to be clear, while any extraction process can usually be described as using a solvent of some sort, whether it's water, this is environmental. You're really talking about no chemical solvents used at all to create these amazing high quality textures. Well, I mean, obviously, we're using the hydrocarbon uh, solvent um, for the live resin. It's the only way that you can really do live resin right now is hydrocarbon. Um, CO2, it's all decarboxylated, so you won't get a live resin out of CO2 extraction. Um, and then if you want to go solventless, what we've seen is cryocured flour takes half the time in a solventless ice water washing machine than it traditional than regular fresh frozen. So you're able to get more done in half the time in a washing machine by washing cryocure rather than washing fresh frozen flour. So that's the only that's the that's the main difference is all live resin right now is done with hydrocarbon. So the hydrocarbon, it, it doesn't play well with moisture. If you try to, if you try to send hydrocarbons through 
wet, fresh flour, you're going to get a horrible, gross sludge. You might even clog your, your extraction equipment by doing so. So that's the reason why they're using these big, expensive, negative 60 children. As a matter of fact, we was just at a facility that said that they were going to spend $160,000 on chillers just for their extraction system. And I told him, I said, wow. why do you? Why? I was like, you could buy another cryocure machine for that. You don't even need those chillers anymore. There's no point in having those chillers unless you're just running a condensing coil. Um, obviously, you would need that for the condensing coil. But now, you know, buying these negative 60 chillers to chill your material columns, it's, it's, it's unnecessary. You can save that money. You don't need to spend that money on those chillers anymore. You know, that's great. Not only can we be judicious in terms of the equipment we select, we can ex select the equipment that does a job and does a better job than it did before. So you can use the CryoCure in conjunction with solventless water extraction. You can use CryoCured flour with hydrocarbon extraction and get the highest quality textures. Uh, what about some of the post-extraction process uh, Greg, you, when I got to chat with you a little bit more, uh, are really a, an expert when it comes to diamonds, the crystallization portion of the extraction process. Uh, are you seeing that gaining traction? Is that more complex? And is there any benefit to cryocured flour if you're creating a diamond or Absolutely. diamond sauce texture? Absolutely. Yeah, the diamonds, basically the diamonds, the sugar wax, um, what you see in crystalline concentrate form is THCA, period. That's all that is, is THCA. That is what we are. CryoCure is THCA. If you use our machines, your THC will not degrade in the process. So THCA degrades to THC to T delta nine down to CBF. Those are the, the, the stages of, of digression with THC. So if you don't have readily available THCA, a lot of it, you're not going to be able to make diamonds. It's just not going to happen. Techniques that you use create efficiencies in your workflow. And that's what CryoCure is. It's a tool for every single facet of your facility that you can use it. Obviously, it's not going to clean your facility for you, but you know, <laughs> in order to dry your flower, in order for better quality, yeah, I wish you would too. <laughs> a better quality smokable flower, higher quality returns and in your extraction. I mean, obviously, solventless, it's the key to solventless. You can use it for edibles. I mean, I, there's so much information out there right now about freeze-dried food, freeze-dried candy, and how you can infuse it, stabilize it for shelf life. So there's so many different aspects that this machine can save you money and time. I love it. I do. And I really enjoyed the cryo-cured flower, Greg and Tracy. And I thank you so much for sharing this technology with me and with all of our listeners here at The Future of Growth. Uh, is there any way without, you know, telling us too much, you can tell us a little bit about the future, what's coming for CryoCure? I know you had already mentioned that there is a hobbyist sized unit that's slated for release. Is there any other tidbits that you care to share or are able to at this time? I mean, that's pretty much it that we have right now. Um, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. We are always working sure. and looking for different ways to improve. Um, there is new technology out there that we are doing some R&D with. But as of right now, CryoCure, and it's where I think we're a little ahead of ourselves. And, you know, we're almost like where LEDs were five, six years ago. It's a matter of just getting out there and showing people the proof. And once they see it, it's undeniable. And it's just something that everybody has to try. I tell you, I couldn't agree more because it was a big game changer getting to try the product, uh, put my hands on the product even more and uh, really experience that cryo cure difference. So, Greg, Tracy, if uh, our listeners are interested in learning more about cryo cure, how can they reach you? How uh, can they learn more uh, about cryo cure and all of the technology and the processes that you guys have invented? 
Yeah, be sure to check out our website at cryocure.com. It's a very comprehensive site full of videos, case studies, test results, testimonials, pretty much anything your team might need to see to learn about cryocure. Or Greg and I are very accessible as well. Our number is on the website and our email address. And also follow us on Instagram at Cryocure Cannabis. That's fantastic. I already do follow you all. I'm excited for the future and tracking your progress uh, with great anticipation. Uh, hopefully one of these days I'll be able to get a hobbyist size unit. But uh, until that day comes, I am going to just... Uh, try and find cryocure at all of my favorite local dispensaries. And uh, I encourage everyone that's listening to do the same. It's really an incredible product. Um, Craig, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today and uh, our listeners and providing this wonderful insight into your technology and business. We appreciate having you on the show and really hope that you'll be able to come back and talk more about some of the future developments uh, that we address today. We'd love that, David. Thank yes. you very much for having us. And thank you, everybody out there for considering CryoCure. And thank you to the AgriFi team. We really appreciate all of your support and especially yours, David. You always will have it, Tracy and Greg. We thank you. And just one more note, everybody. Remember, be kind. Don't grind. Keep your cannabis ah. happy and higher quality. Go check out our friends over at CryoCure. And if you have any questions, reach out to Greg and Tracy. They really are wonderful and very accessible. So thank you all for joining us and tuning in today. We look forward to our next conversation. Have a wonderful day as we look at the future of growth. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Future of Growth. We love to hear from our audience. Have a great idea for a guest or a topic you'd like us to cover? Thoughts you want to share? Reach out to media at agrify.com. Don't forget to stay connected with Agrify at Agrify Corp on all platforms and by visiting us at www.agrify.com. See you next time for another episode of The Future of Growth.